This is Pam Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air for the first time with Mark and Lynetta. And uh, thank you for being on the Pam Electric Ghost podcast. Mm, thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah. Now, I want to let you guys know, everybody that's listening, we are a featured podcast on the Newsly platform. You can probably see that up there on the corner. If you use coupon code GHOST, you can get one month free premium subscription. We'll be on Newsly later today because we are a featured podcast on that platform. So I do want to let people know that we do have your website up. Uh, for those of you just listening, we have markandlanetta.com. And uh, people will be able to click on that all the way through uh, at the end of the podcast when it gets published. And I want people to know, like, the topic we're going to be talking about today is healing childhood trauma, past relationships hurts. And uh, this will be actually episode 955 of the Family Electric Ghost podcast. Great. Um, one thing, uh, the website we're featuring right now is thesoulmatecoaches.com. Okay. Some of the stuff on Mark and Lynetta we're not emphasizing right now, but the Soulmate Coaches is specific to relationships and trauma. Okay. Yeah, if you have a different uh, URL, you can send that and we can push that up later. Yep. Uh, Thank you. So I guess you want to talk about how you got into um, being uh, relationship coaches or life coaches. Maybe, I don't know who wants to start with that. Hey, hon, why don't you start? Uh, so we, why we are life coaches? Relationship um, coaches. Oh, especially relationship. Um, relationships have been very important to Mark and I. Even before we met, which was about nine years ago, we were both um, very um, committed to learning about what makes a relationship really loving and intimacy and authenticity, um, being transparent with how we feel, sharing our desires. Um, and so we both uh, were in a workshop about relationships when we met. And uh, Mark and I have uh, found out that we have a very big toolbox that's common with each other of transformation work. Um, so we had done landmark education some energy work training, and we were in uh, a communication, um, spirituality, um, relationship, intimacy building workshop. So we had this common language and a common ground, common ground together. Um, so that that's what has made our relationship very unique is that we never make each other wrong for anything all our desires are welcome we invite each other to share whatever we desire and we find workability we have a standard of workability instead of good bad right or wrong we don't live by those we live by is this something that works for you and for me and we have consent uh with each other and consent is everything consent means that we're honoring each other what our values are and we are um holding space for each other um in a way that's just uh no judgment. All judgment mm -hmm. is is completely thrown out. And we've done a lot of inner child work and healing trauma because both of us have childhood trauma in our background. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'd, I'd like to add to it. Um, one of the things that's really unique about our relationship <laughs> is our full acceptance of each other especially our so-called <coughs> dark backgrounds. And Lynetta's a little darker than mine. She even wrote a book about it. And it's actually symbolized. If you look at her face, you can see one half is in the light and one <laughs> half is in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> reminded me of how we're fully accepting of all our aspects. 
And one of the things you, that's kind of unique also with how we coach people is we get people to an acceptance of everything that they think is dark or bad or wrong about their past. And we actually flip it so they can see the gold of everything that they did in the past and how it wasn't bad, but it was actually on some level a survival mechanism, which they had no better tools at that time. And now we have better tools to offer them, especially in relationship, because one of the biggest problems is in relationship, if you've got that trauma in the background, then you're going to be triggering each other. You know, I'll say something, she would get triggered, she would, she would respond and like, and then it all goes downhill from there. So we've got great tools so that the triggering doesn't go on, or if it does, it's dealt with almost immediately. So the where you are now, did that take uh, like a, a process to happen? Or did it begin in your relationship? Did you have these kind of um, this groundwork already done? Or was it something that evolved over the time that you've been in your relationship? We had both done a lot of transformational work, I'd say at least 20 years each before we met. In fact, we had a common toolbox of like six different modalities that we had both trained in. And neither of us had ever met anybody who had done all, all same six modalities. And then we actually met at a workshop that focused on communications, um, honoring, getting your yes and your no, sensuality, sexuality, all about how to fully accept and interact with another human being. So we actually met at that workshop. And then once we were together, we did all the other, they have like 10 levels now of workshops. We met at the third level and then we did the rest of them together over the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. So we started that way. We had been in process for decades, um, practiced what to do and not to do on a lot of previous relationships. Sorry to all our past partners. <laughs> yeah. So by the time we got to each other, we had an amazing skill set in order to be in relationship, have it be amazing and still have tools to process the things that were still coming up, even though these are going all the way back to childhood, which for us is like, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, you know, things still come up, but we've got the tools. So it is not a problem. It's not a stop in our relationship. So when you're working with people, how, uh, when somebody, uh, I guess uh, one of the questions that you like to answer is, how do you know when you need outside help for your relationship? Um, and the other follow-up on that is can you figure it out on your own? And I would think since you guys are, are mentors and life coaches, the answer would be like probably not totally on your own because you need to uh, engage somebody else. <laughs> mm -hmm. You want to answer that, hon? Yeah, I got some help from a therapist who does EMDR and brain spotting. Um, and it, it wasn't, I mean, it does impact our relationships, some of the trauma that I've experienced because I can get triggered by things that have nothing to do with Mark, but he's a trigger for it. And I know to look for the source of that trigger because Mark is not the source of that trigger. So I, I knew there were some subconscious things running that I wasn't even getting access to. And I heard that EMDR and brain spotting are very effective in helping you to um, remember memories can come up that have been suppressed. And then I was given uh, a very strong uh, resource within myself, this, this parent that I have inside of myself to reparent my inner child and help her to heal from some of those. Uh, for instance, if Mark would ask me, what time are you going to be ready? I just want to know what time I should be ready. And I would like, don't rush me. You're, <laughs> you're rushing me. And he's like, honey, I'm not trying to rush you. I just need to know what time I need to be ready um, and what time you think you might be ready. And I really 
had to search inside of me. And it was that when I was little, there seemed to be no time for me. You know, I had to be ready the moment my parents were ready to go. And um, I had to rush and oftentimes didn't get to take care of myself. So now I was able to reparent myself and find that, oh, honey, you have all the time in the world. It's all good. You're not living with those people anymore, your parents. So you're in a safe place now. Mark is a safe person to be with. And he'll give you all the time in the world that you need. Yeah. And to further elaborate on your question, if I could, um, the people come to us at different stages of relationship or pre-relationship. We have worked with singles who wanted to manifest what we would call a soulmate level relationship where everything is just the best they've ever had, literally. Um, we've had some people come at the end of a relationship and they needed some support to get out. <laughs> but <laughs> our real specialty is couples who are in relationship who are aware that they're having significant challenges. So the love is still present. You know, they, they love each other. They're committed to each other, whether they're married or in a long-term relationship, or it could even be a short-term relationship, but they want it to work. They have that motivation, like we're not re ready to call it quits, but we're having some significant problems. Most obvious one is we're fighting all the time. You know, he does this, I get, I feel this, and then it escalates and, you know, all that fun, you know, relationship challenges, all that stuff is where we really excel. So the best people to work with us are going to be those who are motivated, who have a loving relationship and know, and, and, and especially both partners, that they have challenges and they're both willing to work on it. You know, sometimes we do get typically the woman saying, yeah, we're having a lot of problems, but the man's not open. And that's a tough one. Now, there are things we teach people which can turn that around. But our ideal, again, is when both parties are willing to say, yeah, we need help. You know, tell us what you can do. What, what's your program? What's your availability? And we'll do it. You know, just give us some guidance because we want this to work. So that's kind of our ideal. You know, over the years, I've been talking to people um, on the podcast. I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of life coaches and mentors about like inner child. And a lot of times people have to kind of understand that inner child and figure out where they are. to find out that they've actually been in a situation where they had beliefs they thought were truths like I'm not good enough, I'm never going to amount to anything or, you know, because their parent yep. told them that or maybe they heard that and uh, they never got over it. And um, this idea of reparenting is the first time I kind of heard that term. So maybe you can kind of talk about what does that mean uh, in terms of like, how does that go about? How do you go about reparenting? I'd say there's two parts. I'm going to have Lynetta deal with one part because she's kind of specializes this. But the part I'm going to address before that is we go back to previous relationships. Almost everybody we work to, we're going to ask, tell us about your, let's say, six most important previous relationships. And that's usually parents and significant, uh, usually romantic relationships. And what we're going to do is we process that so that... First of all, if there's any trauma remaining, the way you know you have unresolved trauma is if you go back to your past and you think about an event, you know, my dad did this when I was six years old. And the moment you think about it, you're kind of like, ah, you know, I'm still hurt. I'm still angry, depressed, whatever. Then it's still unclear. So what we do is we go back to the past, to the major relationships, and we make sure all that trauma is released. And the way you know it's released is you can recall events and it's like, yeah, he did that. It sucked, but I'm over it. You know, there's no internal turmoil anymore. So we go back to that 
And we, first of all, we release all the emotion. And Lynette is going to share some techniques she uses in particular. But in addition, we use it, what we do is we turn it from just being a traumatic event into being a learning experience about who we are and what we want and don't want in our life. So we'll go back and say, okay, you were treated X, Y, and Z by your mom. What didn't you like? And that's usually really easy for people to come up with. And then what we do, and this is, this is the, the crucial step almost everybody misses when they do this back work. What does it tell you about what you do want in your life? So for example, so going back to Lynetta's example, um, so her family was always rushing her. There was just no consideration of, of her. You know, it's just like whatever they thought she should do, they thought she should do it and do it instantly. So um, what this, so when we did this process with this particular trauma from Lynetta, we, what we got is she wants to feel honored. She wants to feel seen and heard and understood, which basically all of us do. And she wants, um, and one of the reasons that would go on is there was no advance notice. It was just like, okay, we're doing this now, but everybody in the car, you know, or whatever the situation was. And it's like, she wants to know that her and her life and what she's doing and what's important to her is important to others. So I make sure that I'll tell her, okay, honey, you know, here's, here's the way the schedule is going to go. Like, you know, sometimes we're planning, we're full-time RVers, so we're planning where we're going to be months out. And I'll say, hey, is this a good place you'd like to go to? You know, because I know that they have these activities you like. I'm thinking of how to honor her with what she likes. And then in addition, it comes all the way down to the daily level. Okay, you know, like yesterday I reviewed, and you know, we have a podcast, you know, 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, you know, so so she could plan accordingly and not feel rushed. So that's an example. So you want to add to that, honey, about uh, trauma work? Yeah, um, we find that acknowledgments is really what you need to get the trauma experience complete. Because what it is, is a experience that happened that if it were truly seen, heard, understood, and you had just holding space of love for whatever that child is going through, then that, that would have been complete. Even if it was a traumatic event, if it would have been heard and seen and truly embraced and just given love to that child, it, that is what is needed to complete and bring that person freedom. Uh, that child freedom. So that's what I've done with every experience that I've had that I'll get a flashback on some experience that was very traumatic, then I will go back and I will reparent by listening to my inner child. What does she need? Giving her full voice to express how she's feeling. And then I will say, let's take care of that. Um, I totally hear you. I am so sorry that this happened. Here, let me hold you and embrace you. And let's get your needs met. And I'll make sure that you're safe, you're protected. And I'll grab her into my arms and bring her into my heart and bring her to this present time and say, I'm your parent now. And this is, this is a whole new life now that we're going to experience and you're seen, you're heard, you're loved. And every time we do that with clients and take them through this process, it heals that deep core childhood wound. The acknowledgments are gold. Yeah. So I would say that is really what does it. That's what brings that, completion. That's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I never really heard that term of uh, reparenting before. It's interesting to understand, you know, what it means to you guys. Uh, it's the first time I've um, had that conversation. Um, one of the other things I wanted to understand is um, 
like, what do you think is the most important relationship tool that you teach your clients? There's probably many tools, but and it might be mm-hmm. dependent on who the, what, where the clients are and you know, yeah. what the situation is, but maybe kind of just at a high level. Acknowledgements. Mm-hmm. Acknowledgements always clears the path for peace in relationships. What do you have, honey? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just going to elaborate on that and explain a little bit what acknowledgements are. So, um, we as human beings tend to really beat up on ourselves, especially if we've had challenges from our backgrounds. We're our worst enemies. All the stuff that goes on in our heads, oh my God. <laughs> so, um, acknowledgements are where we take everything that we might call negative and we turn it to find the so-called positive in it. So like, again, going back to the rushing example that Lynetta gave, you know, um, so an acknowledgement would be something like, yes, I here you feel like you're being rushed but i want you to know that i totally love you and honor you and i don't want you to ever feel that from me i want you to feel that you've got all the time in the world to do whatever you need and i want to do activities with you so i want to be able plan so we can go on this beautiful hike to a waterfall in this forest you know and you know we've got something in the afternoon so we'll need to be back by this time so you know is it okay if we are ready by this time so that you know we can do all these wonderful things in our life so i'm acknowledging what's important to lynetta and also finding, as Lynetta said, also the workability, which is our other gold standard. It's kind of that combination of these two things that really make a relationship work. Is there anything you want to add on acknowledgements, honey? Mm, no, I, you know, it, it'd be lovely if we can give more examples, you know, if we have people live, because I would love to give people the feeling it's amazing when we share an acknowledgement of what we're we're seeing in the other person something that they may be really hurt and then we'll acknowledge that hurt and we'll say of course you're upset of course that hurts and when you feel into what the pain that they've been carrying and you acknowledge it and you it turns into a it just completely opens them up and it heals that hurt um so it's like yeah your example was great so, Mark. yeah so let's ask our host so phantom <laughs> <laughs> is there anything from your yeah. past that's still kind of bothering you that we could do a little impromptu acknowledgement right now yeah and if not that's okay yeah well, yeah, I, I had this situation of, yeah, there is, there is something in my, you know, as an artist, um, I had this collaboration where I worked with this other artist you know, back in like 2017. And um, we really put a lot of work into this collaboration. It was like, you know, I was working in the Northeast and uh, my collaborator was in Los Angeles. And we put a lot of work i put a lot of work into this like it was an album and we were working on it for like six months and i went and got uh, an artist to do the cover i got things lined up to get a cd produced and all it was already and it was actually you know, upon release date and it was going to come out my collaborator sunday decided that they weren't going to they didn't want to be involved in a project anymore. Something happened and they just totally dropped the whole thing. And it was such a kind of, it was like, I felt kind of hurt by it because I, I kind of took it personal, but it was kind of like when they were in a place where something happened and they weren't really getting, telling me, you know, what it was. Uh, it was some personal thing that happened and they just had to drop the whole thing and they never came back. They never explained kind of why they, they left and it kind of left me hanging. 
And I was like, wow. And I said, well, maybe I kind of should never get that personal with a collaboration like that again, because it seemed like it just uh, went off the rails. And I'm like, wow. And it, but it was like the problem was it was there was no kind of trying to fix it because they never came back to explain what happened. Oh. So I'm like, wow. <laughs> okay. Thank you for sharing that. So what I'm hearing from you is that you spent a lot of time. You really poured yourself into this project for like six months. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you were really looking forward to the results. Like, I'm not sure if you've had any collaboration that was as great as this, because I know you're kind of been a one man man but you were really pouring yourself into this. And when it went down that they basically said, we're not gonna do this. And you were, from what I heard, right at the release date, you must've had huge disappointment because you had devoted so much of yourself. So both for you know the furtherance of your career, that was a huge disappointment, especially with all you put into it. And it was a personal disappointment because you felt mistreated because there was no communication about what was going on. You know, it was just like, we're not doing this. And then there was no attempt after that initial communication to maintain any kind of relationship. It was just like you were dropped like a hot potato. And that didn't feel like a way that you wanted to be treated. And it may have reminded you of some things that have gone on in the past where you weren't really understood and seen and valued for who you are and what you bring to the world. So to go further with the acknowledgement, this tells me that you really value yourself and what you produce. You know you've got a gift to offer this world that's unique. And you really are committed to bringing that gift out into the world. It's really important to you. And it's also important to you to be respected, you know, because you really are pouring your heart and your mind and your whole self into everything that you do. And you really want it to be received in an honoring way. Yeah. Anything you want to add, honey? No, that was beautiful. Okay, so that's an example of an acknowledgement. How, how does that land with you? Me? <laughs> or, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what happened, uh, what was interesting is like the project actually came out. Yeah, the project actually came out. It's actually right. out in the world. It's on all the streaming services. And the person yeah. that I work with even has it on their site. Oh. They didn't pull it down. They just the, the thing that kind of felt like like okay, well they did. So they didn't even they didn't like act like they didn't do it. It's actually on their on their personal site. Oh. It says they you know they never continued to want to you know work on anything. And I was like, and, and the thing is, since then I've worked with like you know hundreds of people, and this was oh. the one person that decided to do it that way. So it didn't mm. stop me from working. And I, and I still try to, what I, the lesson I learned is like, I'm not going to change how I put my heart into something in terms of like when I get into work with, with music, I do it from like an authentic kind of like, if you think about singer-songwriters, we've kind of put our whole heart into it, right? Mm -hmm. we, and we don't, and we can get hurt because at the point is like, if you're a writer or a poet or, you know, artist, you kind of put your heart on your sleeve and you let it get, you can get hit, you can get whacked, you know, and, and, and it can hurt, but you like, that's what it is. It's very cathartic. And, and I'm not going to stop doing it that way just because somebody maybe couldn't deal with the honesty of it or whatever. They didn't, they didn't know how to handle it. I kind of would have been in that mode since I was 17, I'm 55. And I continue to write that, that way. And whether people can actually deal with it once it really becomes there, maybe that I started to wonder if that was the issue because once you put something out there and you're, you're that honest with it, sometimes some people back off from it because like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you know, right. so I, I don't know if that's what it is, but I didn't, I decided I wasn't going to change the way I do it. 
that even though it hurt, I wasn't going to not work with other people in the same way. And I think that's how I kind of, as I got older, you know, maybe if I was younger, I would have said, I'm going to radically shift what I do. But I decided, like, I don't think I'm going to change how I approach it. And, um, you know, I didn't stop collaborating with people. I continued to do stuff. But I think uh, that was my lesson learned was, like, should I, you know, you know, try to protect myself more or whatever. And I said, well, you know, it doesn't always happen that way. So I'll still do the way I do it, you know, do it the way I do it. Yep. And that is an, a great example of a self-acknowledgement because you decided, yeah, that was not nice. I felt kind of hurt the way that went down, but I'm going to be unstoppable in my commitment to bring my gifts to the world and you've done hundreds of collaborations since that shows that you were unstoppable, even in, in the face of this challenge. So thank you for that great self-acknowledgement you gave yourself. That was awesome. Yep. So that's a great example. Mm-hmm. That's a great um, example. But I guess what's the big... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was always looking at it in terms of, you know, should I, you know, what should I do? But I continue to, you know, make progress. I think the thing about being an artist, the one thing you have to remember, and I think this applies to a lot of people, like for every like 100 songs I do, maybe only one of them really works. But that I don't look at those as failures. I look at those as steps to get to the next thing. And a lot, because since I'm an experimental artist, I tend to do things that maybe I'm not the best at. Right. I'm going to do something I'm kind of scared of doing. I'm going to jump into something I really don't know how to do. Move from bebop to fusion or fusion to you know, the experimental noise pop or something. It's like go into something that maybe I'm not the best at, but I'm going to try it and I'm not going to be scared what the critics say. Like, oh, he doesn't do it. You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to go there. And um, I think that that's where you have to kind of learn. And, you know, as an artist, to, to go places that you're not comfortable in order to, to keep on progressing or I'm just going to repeat myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if, like, people in relationships, like, different people at different points, you know, might be uh, kind of comfortable with discomfort. In terms of like they keep on doing the same thing, but maybe it's fearful to actually change that until they get to a breaking point where you say, you know what, this isn't making me feel good. Like maybe I thought being in the same situation was comfortable, but now it's reached like its maximum level of discomfort, and I need to actually acknowledge it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Either get out or fix the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And we've both had previous relationships where we said, you know what, this is not working. And our partners are not committed to having it work the way we were both committed. So we had to just bail out because there was just no possibility of working it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that like the kind of... Um... I guess, what's the most unconventional piece of relationship advice you've ever given somebody? Ooh, that's a great question. (laughs) Unconventional. Unconventional. Let's see. Oh, I would probably say um, we have a... huge level of transparency that we have in our relationship. Like we share everything, including things that you, you'd be like, Oh my God, did you really share that with each other? (laughs) You know, it's like the voices in the head that, you know, part of us are embarrassed about. Well, we'll share that with each other and we encourage our clients to do the same because um 
like one of the mistakes I made in my first marriage was I had been trained to be like the protector of women, you know, on a certain level. Um, and um, I thought that things that really bothered me about our relationship, I shouldn't share that because it would hurt her. So there were certain things I kept inside and didn't say out loud um, until things just got totally intolerable. And um, then I did start to say them, but there was no opening to actually work on these challenges that we had. So eventually I you know, requested to divorce, which is what we did. So sharing everything is probably one of the best things that we do and we recommend. And one of the reasons why, like a couple we're just working with now, um, you know, like everybody, there are challenges. And the, the woman said that some of the things that her partner does, it's not so much what he does, but it's the fact that he feels he can't share it with her. That's the problem. In other words, most people think the challenges in the relationship about are about what you do or don't do, either individually or together. But the biggest challenge is actually when you don't share your internal process because you could disagree on something or have different preferences but if you're willing to share it with your partner so that they understand why it's important to you then it may not actually matter what you do And I'll give an example from our life. Um, this past winter, we were in Phoenix for the winter. And we started doing a lot of um, dancing and exercise. And I had decided that I wanted to do a lot of social dance, you know, salsa, bachata, swing. And um, I dragged Lynetta. <laughs> Lynetta had some dance trauma from her past from childhood <laughs> and I dragged her to some classes um, and she found it really challenging. You know, some of the teachers were good, but some were just too fast. You know, I, I have a, you know, a dance background from college, so I could keep up better with what was being taught than Lynetta could. And she found it challenging and she shared with me that um, she just wasn't enjoying it. And we, what we did when she, and she shared her childhood trauma. So what we did is we came up with agreement that I would go to the dance classes and then I would teach her the dances once I had mastered it myself, because, you know, I can be a really good slow teacher that would work with, you know, her current level of, you know, learning a new dance step. So the communication was more important than what we did. And the flip side of that is Lynetta likes a type of dance called ecstatic dance, hmm. where you kind of put on new agey music and everybody's kind of feeling into the, their own rhythms internally and dancing that. And the goal is really not to interact with other people. And that had never really been my thing. So sometimes she would go to ecstatic dance mm -hmm. and I understood, you know, why, because, you know, then there were no steps to learn. So <laughs> there was no dance drama involved. Um, but I did decide to go with her and try it out more than I had in the past. And eventually I found that I could enjoy it as well. So we kind of, you know, found a way through the communication to work out what we like and don't like in the dance arena. 
And uh, we, what we even also did is uh, Lynetta found a yoga studio she really liked in Phoenix. And it turned out it was 10 minutes away from the dance studio that I favored. So what we would do is we'd actually drive a half hour from our campground to the yoga studio, drop Lynette at a class. I'd drive a few minutes to get to my dance studio and I'd do a class or two. Then I would go back and pick up Lynetta. And then we might even go out and, and catch a bite to eat and go home. So we found a way for both of us to do what we really enjoyed and honored each other's likes and not so much likes. And we made it into a fun time for both of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. We're really looking forward to doing more of that this winter in Phoenix. Yeah. We always find a way. There's always yeah, a way. I think I remember, <laughs> you know, I remember with my parents that, you know, um, there wasn't that kind of communication, at least coming from my yeah. dad. You know, my mom would say what she wanted very expressively. But my dad, it was interesting, my dad was a salesman. He's not here anymore. He died of Alzheimer's. But he's very, he was very good at talking game like a salesman, right? But once he got home, because he's doing that 12, 14 hours a day, he suddenly didn't want to communicate because he'd been communicating all day. So <laughs> I noticed with my dad, it's like, well, he kind of is all used up because he was out there doing that. And by the time he got home, he did he just wanted to listen to Matt King Cole or Miles Davis or Sunrise and just kind of kind of relax. And my mom wants to talk because he's been gone. Right. But he was like, yep. I was talking all day. I don't want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah, as I saw the, the consequences of, of, of him not wanting to describe that. Now, one time he told me when he was older, he's like, yeah, he explained to me what I kind of figured out anyway. But like, if he had actually told my mom that, I don't know, she probably would have still got mad, but I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think well, uh, maybe, it's, it's, maybe it's interesting not. to be able to have, have that open conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if Maybe she not. had understood <laughs> where he was coming from, it might have made a difference. And, you know, who knows? They might have been able to create an evening routine where he would listen for music for an hour. And then there might have been a different level or type of communication that maybe he had never done with her that he actually would have get enjoyed. You see, Lynetta mm -hmm. and I are fed by our communication. Even when there's a challenge, we first of all have a knowing that we can always get through it because we have all the challenges that have come up over the past uh, nine, 10 years. We've always gotten past it. And on the other side of, communi of communication challenges is intimacy. So in fact, every time we have a challenge, we're almost gleeful to, to tackle it because we know we're going to feel closer once we've passed through it using all our techniques to the other side. There's going to be deeper intimacy and we love intimacy. So that's the biggest reason we love communication is because we feel more intimate every time afterwards. Yeah. And, and during. Yeah. And we usually combine it with cuddling. So it's a win-win. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do you find it? Do you, find, do you find that some of your clients, they don't understand why they have intimacy problems and they, they somehow don't connect the fact that you have to have that really good communication to get to intimacy. It's kind of like you can't get around it. You have to kind of you know, you have to tackle that issue of the communication. If you never solve that, you might not get to the intimacy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You got to. Yeah. And you have to have the tools. You have to recognize, you know, once once you're, you know, past 18, basically every interaction, almost every interaction with somebody in your life, whether it's a romantic partner, a business interaction, it's almost always a reflection of your past 
Because as you mentioned before, those limiting beliefs that we create in childhood because of what happened to us and the ways we decided to, you know, quote, learn from it, you know, and say, well, maybe I'm just not good enough. Maybe I'll never be loved. Maybe the world's just a cruel place. All those limiting beliefs we come up with, we're just carrying around like a sack over our back. And we're bringing them with us everywhere in our life, our personal life, our business life. And until we acknowledge that and are willing to look at those things, those limiting beliefs, those triggers from the past, and then use the best tools available to deal with it, it's going to mess everything up in our life. So I guess the one question is like, how did relationship coaching become important to each of you? And maybe, uh, I don't know, Leonard, if you want to tackle that first. Yeah. Um, well, if you're in a beautiful relationship, like Mark and I experience, everything in life is enhanced when you share with another person who really gets you um, and accepts and adores and cherishes all of you, then even the parts of myself that I wasn't able to adore <laughs> and cherish, I was like, well, if he can accept all of me, maybe I can accept all of me. So we're, we work as mirrors for each other. And being in relationship is so beautiful because how are you going to be able to see yourself unless you have another person that's able to reflect back to you what they're hearing and what they see. And in through Mark's eyes, through him seeing me, through he, what, how he hears me, I've gotten that even the things I judged myself about, that he saw them as a strength, not as a weakness. And he saw it as, of course, you were hurt when you were young that, you know, your parents didn't listen to you and they didn't, they didn't even, even ask you how your day was. Of course, that hurt. Of course, you lashed out in the ways you did. So I was acknowledged for the things that even I was judging myself for. And through his eyes, I have learned to love myself the way he loves me with absolute unconditional love. And now I can say I love all of me. I no longer have parts of myself that I hide away that I don't want to look at. I'll look at everything and I'll always look at myself through the eyes of love. And, and Mark has really been an essential part of my personal growth. And if you have a partner where both of you, that's your commitment, is to do your own inner work, but also to do the work together in relationship and mirroring each other, doing active listening where you really hear and you can repeat back what you've heard and make sure that you get clarity on what your partner is saying and trying to express to you, not just the what they did, but how, what are the feelings that are underneath it? And what was the motivation behind that thing that you did? And with that level of communication, which we would call a soulmate level communication, because you're listening to the soul of that person, not just their trauma, which is where couples get in trouble because they're triggering each other's trauma. Mm -hmm. And many times, if you know relationship styles, there's an avoidant and there's a anxious attachment and then they will trigger each other's trauma and then it escalates and it, it goes into a loop that they can't get out of. Whereas this is the unraveling, the undoing of all of that, the coming back to at the very core is this divine spark within every person that we focus on 
creating an ember in that spark and then fanning the flames with love, compassion, empathy, um, non-judgment, total radical acceptance of that being and seeing them in their highest instead of focusing on, well, you sure got a lot of triggers, don't you? You got a lot of wounding. Boy, you got a lot of baggage, don't you? <laughs> you know, that's not what we do. Yeah. We, we focus on that spark yeah. of the divine and we fan the flames of the divine spark within you. Yes. Yeah. It does seem so, that a lot of people, you know, don't really listen. Yeah. <laughs> but you can go ahead. Yeah. So the question was, how did we get into relationship coaching? Yes. Yes. That okay. was the question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess after the first couple years, you know, when we got to practice all the tools that we had and our relationship really grew and we got married and um, I really started to get how exceptional our relationship was that most people did not have this good a relationship. And it wasn't because we didn't have challenges. It was because we just had amazing tools from our trainings and experience from our, all our so-called relationship failures. So when I realized like, wow, this is really an incredible relationship. And actually, just to share a really funny story, uh, there was one point we were shopping in a Target and, you know, we're just very playful with ourselves and, you know, we could be romantic. And I think in the middle of Target, you know, I, maybe I just grabbed Lynetta and gave her a hug and maybe bent her backwards a little bit and gave her a kiss. I don't remember exactly what I was doing, but we were just kind of being playful like the way we always are. And all of a sudden, this family of four, parents and two younger kids, started to applaud us in the middle of Target. <laughs> and I started <laughs> to laugh. They just thought we were being so adorable with our playfulness and our way of being. And that's when I was like, wow, this really is unusual that we're getting applauded in Target. We must be doing something right. And maybe we need to share this more with people. So it was kind of like getting the greatness of our relationship and also knowing that there, you know, there's a lot of people who do relationship coaching or therapy and there's almost nobody who does it as a married couple with an amazing relationship. You know, I, maybe there's a couple others I've heard of, but it's extremely rare. Usually you just get, you know, one person, and a lot of them are not even married or in relationship. And it's like, and they're doing relationship <laughs> coaching. I'm like, yeah. seriously? <laughs> yeah. So what's, yeah. what's, so I really got that, you know, first of all, we have an amazing relationship. And secondly, because of all our common background, all our common trainings and toolbox, we actually love working together because then, um, you know, Lynette and I both have slightly different strengths. You know, like I'm really good at asking questions, hearing the limiting beliefs, doing acknowledgements. Lynette is phenomenal at doing like inner child work and energy work and leading people through uh, body embodied exercises so that um, and most importantly, um, when we work with couples, now we work with all kinds of couples, not just your normal, quote, straight couple. But, you know, to use that as an example, um, you know, there are times we will, you know, when we first start working with somebody, you know, we'll get a little overview of the problems. And then we may want to do an individual call with a man, individual call with a woman. And then we'll put them together once we know what the issues are. 
and usually work with them together. But occasionally we'll again do individual sessions when we feel somebody needs, you know, something in particular to address. But when we're working together and there's the four of us on, a, on let's say, a, on a remote call, um, what's really unique is, let's say, you know, the woman is, says, you know, the man's doing this, this and that, like he's talking to a woman from a previous relationship and I don't feel honored, you know, and the man's not getting it because he, going back to mom issues, you know, feels this obligation to every woman who's ever been in his life, even past exes. And it's making the current woman uncomfortable. And I, as a man, had to say, you know, your woman is not feeling honored with all the time you're spending with your ex. You know, when you do that, she doesn't feel like you really care about her. And coming from another man, like he really got it. You know, I don't mm -hmm. know that he, if Lynetta had explained it to him, I don't mm -hmm. think he got it the same way. So having both a man and a woman being on this call together with a couple really is something that's kind of unique to us that we find can be really helpful when there are, you know, gender-based things coming up. Well, that does, you know, I have not seen that in all the calls I've had. I have seen just a single um, relationship coach. And yep. uh, I think it's like, you know, it's kind of like my, you know, my grandpa was a coal miner. He said, you know, he was kind of a matter of fact. He was like, well, you got to show me. Because he was like this guy, he like, like he went and learned. He's like, well, show me that you 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 can do it. Right? So if you're, like, if you're two people together, like, well, hey, that's working. That I know you mm -hmm. do. And he, like, yep. you know, you got to prove it to like West Virginia <laughs> coal miner. He's like, you got to show me the results. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, yeah. You know, it's not, you know, he was like, well, I don't know what that is, but show me what, what real is. And uh, yeah, that seems like to me, like that is apparent and you can see it and you can feel it. And, uh, you know, that things are feel based, but when you feel that, you know, being a musician, I'm a very feel based good person. But I think mm -hmm. people, you know, know when something's authentic. And I think that's the whole concept of like podcasting and why we do things live and, and not scripted is, is to get to that authentic kind of conversation. And I think the you know, same thing when you're dealing with people, uh, you know, they want to know that you actually have the tool set. <laughs> um, so I think it's been a really great conversation. It goes by faster than I ever uh, think it's going to we're almost at the hour mark but um again you said you had you, there's just a mark in lenetta.com oh soul soulmate so coaches the, do you have soulmatecoaches.com do you have is the best way to find a private chat and maybe i can put that up yeah yeah we'll do that and also okay, on soulmate face, facebook and the other okay, social media coaches.com the soulmate coaches yes So is it soulmatecoaches.com? Mm-hmm. The soulmatecoaches.com? The soulmatecoaches.com. That's right. And, and, if, and if somebody's interested in maybe doing some work with us, there's a form right there they can fill out and go right to our calendar, and we'll do a 20-minute uh, discovery call with them, see if we're a match for working with each other. Okay, that's awesome. Let me check your private chat. Oh, you, you got this one better. So let me read this one. So let me put this up. Just hold a second and then get this out there because that's uh, perfect. Good yes. to have that. Yeah, that would be the best place. Yes. Yep. So let me see. So it's this one. Yep. 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 You got okay. it. Yeah, there we go. So that's uh, HTTP, the soulmatecoaches.com. That will be fully clickable when we're published. And mm -hmm. again, we're going to be on all the platforms that you can find a podcast, whether you view it or watch it later today. And I, I want to thank you for being on the Bam Electric Goats podcast. It's um, it's awesome to be able to talk to to a to a, a power duo. <laughs> 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 you know, and uh, it's uh, it's always it's always very very cool to talk to more than one person. 
uh, when we get into work. And uh, yep. I want wanted to thank you again for being on the show. Um, mm-hmm. Just stay in the studio for a second because we're trying to do okay. this local recording. Um, yes, sir. But, um, uh, yeah, thank you again for being on the Family Liquid Coast podcast. Uh, we appreciate thank you. It. And, yeah, uh, thank, we'll talk to you. thank you. This is great. And you ask great questions. You're an awesome host. So thank you. Yeah, thank you thanks. what you shared also vulnerably as well. Yeah. I try. <laughs> <laughs>